Hello and welcome to Coexisting. It's 2020 and due to the coronavirus making its way across the world, we find our towns and cities in lockdown in an effort to slow the pandemic. Quite apart from the Covid headlines filling our screens, I was curious to hear how people were living day to day. So, I asked the same eight questions to people in different countries to get a glimpse of their lives during their version of Shelter at Home. The questions I ask cover life right now as that person is living it. What day of shelter are you on? What are the rules in place? What is it like in the streets where you live? What practical advice has helped you at this time? What is your most memorable moment? And what would you say to someone who is feeling low today? It's part information, part human story archive, but mainly trying to get an uplifting bent on this insane situation we find ourselves in. And at the same time, preserving these memories in audio. Memories that will, in a very few short months, be forgotten. So, plug in those headphones or that speaker, grab a cup of tea or a glass of the good stuff and take a seat. This is Coexisting. Hi, I'm Anne. I'm originally from England. I'm a British-born Chinese and I'm a mother of two. We have not gone back to school since the 23rd of January. There are some kids in Hong Kong who haven't left their apartment since January the 23rd. I worked it out. It's been 84 days. My day job is a performing arts director in an international school in Hong Kong. And while we haven't been back to school, the students haven't been back to school since the 23rd of January, originally the Educational Bureau in Hong Kong allowed teachers to work from campus. So we were able to do that at the beginning, although it did create different levels of anxiety for different members of the teaching community. And while the school were being very, very thoughtful of and mindful of that, there were some of us also who kind of thought, I don't really have an excuse to work from home other than anxiety. So then, even though the school had said that that was okay, most of us dragged our asses in and worked on campus. So it was really, really interesting. I mean, I remember the first day we went back after the Chinese New Year holiday, there was only one person with a mask. I had one in my bag and I chose not to use it. And to this day, I don't know why. At that point, we were still thinking, surely this is just a flu. What's going on here that is being blown out of proportion, you know? Since I've been working from home, I'm lucky if my step count reaches 2,000 per day. That takes its toll because actually you get to the point where you're no longer sleepy at night because your physical well-being. I mean, I'm a musician, so I live a pretty sedentary life anyway. <laughs> 2,000 steps per day is pretty, pretty sad. The biggest shift has been obviously with the students. I'm lucky in that I teach very small class sizes. So we always spend time in the lesson anyway, even when we're on campus where we check in on each other. It's so important. I think growing up through school myself, I still remember the teachers who always went above and beyond and the ones who really cared about me. And 
I've always aspired to being a teacher like that. So I think it's been really, really important to check in on the students and to also try to empower them, listen to them, but also to empower them. For example, I teach grade 12s, year 13s, and they are the cohort, aren't they, who in some ways, luckily, have had their exams cancelled, but they are facing a lot of unknowns. But also what we've also collectively arrived at is the fact that they will also be the cohort who will forever be known as the ones who graduated through COVID. And therefore, how adaptable and resilient and creative must they be? Today, I am sitting at my husband's desk, which is situated in our bedroom. I'm surrounded by his graffiti posters which I don't particularly like. But outside of the window, there's a country park. And we are so lucky. I have a long view. It's green. There's mountains. Every day, there are at least a dozen cows. And there are wild boar. And there are storks. And at the moment, there's all kinds of tropical birds landing on our balcony, two of which I've yet to identify are trying to nest on our windowsill. So we see more birds, but the wildlife here has always been very well protected. So blue skies. I mean, for all the listeners who haven't been in Hong Kong or haven't been to the new territories of Hong Kong, it's really amazing to discover that there are parts like this in Hong Kong. So we, five minutes away, we have a beach. We have a beach where every day when we go there, there is nobody else but us. And then on the other side, eight minute walk in the other direction, sorry, an eight minute walk. We are at a pier where we can take a ferry ride for five Hong Kong dollars to one of 10 remote islands. We are not going to the Hong Kong island at all. We went first on the 25th of January when my mother-in-law was visiting us and it was close to her birthday so we took her out and at the time we weren't really aware of what was going on and how serious it was getting we took her to Jin Sajo and we were on the harbour area what's it called the festival walk and there was no one around it was like a ghost town and we didn't have any masks and yet the few people that we did see were wearing masks. And then we suddenly realized, oh my gosh, what have we walked into? What are we playing at as parents? And suddenly just felt really vulnerable. And then while we were out, we tried to buy masks, tried to buy alcohol hand gel, and it was already sold out. That was the 25th of Jan. But we are very thankful to the Hong Kong government, no matter what different sides or different people might think of them. They did handle the mask supply really well. The government took it upon themselves to source masks for the hospitals. They closed the schools to alleviate the number of masks that would be needed daily by students traveling to school. And I think within about a month, we're able to buy masks by hand gel and everything seemed to have worked out. And even like we're on day 84 and I think Hong Kong just surpassed 1000 cases which in a city that is this densely populated, it's incredible. But obviously it's not just down to the government. I see here, generally in the East, there is this overwhelming sense of we'll do this for the collective, we'll do this for everyone else, for ourselves and for everyone else. 
I mean, speaking to my old Ayi, whose family were locked down in Wuhan, and my old Ayi still lives in Shanghai, she just told me that it's all propaganda, maybe she's brainwashed, but she was just so happy to share that in China, everybody did it for other people. So when WHO said that wearing masks didn't protect you, to some extent that was true. It didn't necessarily protect you from other people transferring the virus to you by sneezing on you, whatever. But by wearing a mask, you were protecting others in case you were asymptomatic and you were sneezing or you were coughing on others. So I think that has been a really big differentiator. So that with the lockdown, she was telling me that everyone she knew in Wuhan, her family included, they, of course, it, it was difficult, but they just moved their life online and they knew that it would come to an end and everybody had to do their part. And there wasn't much focus on the idea of, woe is me, how am I going to get through this? And that definitely helped. For my family in England, oh my gosh, it's so different. Like my sister doesn't want to go out because every time she's been out, she's had racist abuse. It's just so ugly. It's just so ugly. Like, And I have another sister who lives in Solihull. I guess it's a very white middle-class area, right? And she's been living in the same house for 23 years. And she's been going to the same local shop, corner shop. And near the beginning, she was going there and she's been asked to leave and said, oh, we don't want to create any panic here. And she just thought, wow, you know, I'm not from China. One moment that I will remember during this time was when I almost broke down, actually, at how difficult I was finding the home learning, in particular for my son, who is aged 11. Being a teacher myself, and then having to trying to support him online, there were moments when I didn't recognise myself, neither as a teacher, neither as my mum. And every button was being pressed, every trigger, every, I was allowing him to trigger all my emotions and it just got so, so difficult. At that moment, I thought, well, it can't continue like this. And what would I say to myself if I were my own mum or if I were my own teacher? And I thought, well, you control the controllables and what might they be? And remember the kind of mother, the kind of teacher that you set out to be. What values do you hold? And try to remember those and let them define your actions and be more mindful about every day. So one thing that came out of that was that I now support my son through a Google Meet Because I realized that when we do a Google Meet, there is this kind of separation. It's just less emotional. When I truly reflected on the kind of parent that I wanted to be, it was also about the kind of parent that helps my children grow up as compassionate, caring people who hopefully one day make a positive impact on the world. They're part of the solution finders rather than the problem creators, right? And then I kind of related that back to what they were learning. And it goes back to this idea of, oh, there are certain milestones in education where a child must move from one phase to another by a certain age. And then I found myself questioning that, thinking, well, you know, when you're an adult, even if you are a lawyer, 
But no one has ever asked me, when did you learn to read? When did you learn to divide or multiply by 10? And I, I truly believe that it all comes. It all comes in time. I mean, as a language learner myself, I grew up in a bilingual environment where we were speaking Chinese at home, but we didn't learn to read or write it until I was 13. And then I learned over 2,000 characters in about a year because I was driven by this desire to understand and to read the magazines that my mum was bringing home. And it can be done. It can be done. So then I kind of thought, I was really looking at the curriculum and thinking, do you know what? As a mum, as a teacher, I'm just going to put a filter through this. Let's just look at what might be the non-negotiables. What are the things that they must hand in? And then what how might I adapt this and also frame this in this world of COVID where it's so important that they learn the teachable moments through this? So, for example, recently we had a conversation about all the unsung heroes who are keeping the world ticking, keeping everything going. And it's not just the medical profession. It's all the cleaners. It's always the cleaners, always the street cleaners. It's everybody who's pretty much unseen and it's really important to build that level of awareness and gratitude with children and also to remind ourselves there's so much to be thankful for. So a message that I would have to share would be to accept the uncertainty. I mean we're in week 11, 12 of this now in Hong Kong and I think that that has been the biggest source of anxiety for me and if I remember that life is always a little bit uncertain and you just try to accept it and then you just control the controllables, just baby steps. And remember that keeping yourself and your loved ones safe is always going to be top priority. And reach out, reach out and give. So reach out and spread a joke or connect with an old friend, connect with an old friend every day, perhaps. We all still have the capacity to give and inspire. And in doing so, we would feel joy ourselves. Thank you for listening to Coexisting. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear the story unfold, I would be grateful if you could share this with a friend and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. That way, that many more people will find us.